You know the difference between hockey and those other sports? You gotta be tough to be a hockey player. I idolize Dominic Kaczyk. I played goalie because of Dominic Kaczyk. My life in hockey has been started because of Sabres hockey. I didn't need playoffs this year. I wanted it, but I didn't need it. But when you screw up for the fans as much as the team has over the last, like, five years, and just don't hold yourself accountable, I'm sorry. I'll hang up and listen. I'm sorry. Welcome to Two Goalies, One Mike, an in-depth look and behind-the-mask conversation about the greatest game on earth, where everything goes and nothing's off limits. Now I'll tell you something about this guy. This is only three minutes, eh? Whammo! Welcome to All Hang Up and brought to you by Fetty Beer Company and Buffalo Apparel. Fetty Beer Company, one of Buffalo's premier marketing tap rooms with eight now eight different Western New York locations with over 300 beers to choose from. Open seven days a week from 11.30 a.m. till 10.30 and later with live entertainment and trivia at all the locations, both kid and dog friendly. Get over to Fatty Beer and, of course, Buffalo Go. One of the greatest spots to get all of your Buffalo sports apparel needs from shirts, hats, to hoodies. They have it all over at Buffalo Logo Co. on Instagram and Twitter at Fatty Beer on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, who else? Um, listen, I, uh, I went to tonight's game. Uh, my good friend Mike Carr uh, invited me. Um, you know, didn't really charge me much for the ticket, which I appreciated. Um, not normally what I say. I wish I didn't go to a game because if I'm with a friend, I'm usually having a good time. But that was fucking brutal. Top start to fit, with the exception of the first ten minutes of the first period, that game was a brutal watch for fifty minutes. Yeah, and it almost makes it that much more frustrating because the problem this team has had this season has been their starts. They've, for whatever reason, especially at home, they've gotten down early and then they've gotten out of their game and they haven't been able to come back because they don't have that type of team. But tonight, it was actually really encouraging the way that they started. And it was almost as if they were using the momentum of of those two wins, uh, their second two-game win streak of the year. So... I really don't know what happened and I don't know how fragile this group is that once they got up one, nothing and Seattle eventually scored and they got up two one or maybe no, they, they were down two one and then they tied it at two and then they immediately score after the fragility of this group, the entire season, which we're now exactly at the midway point is remarkable. They cannot handle any type of in-game adversity whatsoever i don't know how many comebacks we've seen this year but not many the games they've won they've typically been leading from the get-go or it's been a blowout or it's been a game that they've controlled they controlled this game at least for a portion of it tonight uh they they outshot seattle by 14 15 shots they had some good opportunities but it's the same problems that we've talked about all year the stars aren't uh, producing at a consistent level the defense and the goaltending are wildly inconsistent. And it just, it seems like there's a system in place that they all can't quite fully grasp or understand. So I have a feeling it might get worse before it gets better. Uh, you got five home games in a row and see if they can figure it out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, I said it, I know you weren't on the show, but I said it last time I'll hang up and listen. 
you got to start stacking wins, man. You have to. That right now is the time to start stacking wins. I, I don't. There's no other way of saying it. Um, you can't. Ex- I mean, what what what? Harrington tweeted out the current record. Um, it's like 14, 17, and whatever. We're officially 17, at 20, and four. 17, 24. Sorry, yeah, 17, 20, and four. We're officially at the half point point of the season, and I know we're like at the halfway point last year. We were kind of almost in a very identical situation, but the teams, the the, the output, the scoring, it was all different. There was production on your power play. There, you know, they weren't having these slow starts where you're questioning the effort, the coaching, this, that, and the other. Like they were fun to watch. Even when they even when they lost, it, it was just one year. There was just so much optimism coming out of last season. It just like, and this year it's just been the fucking polar opposite, man. The polar opposite. And I just, how much longer are we supposed to sit here by here as fans? Like I, I, I am encouraging all season ticket holders who are questioning going to Montreal games, um, Toronto games. Sell your fucking tickets to the other fan base. Do it, please. I want Toronto fans. I want them to be 90% Toronto fans in the building. I want it to be worse than ever because I want I want to be embarrassed again because maybe a message will be finally fucking sent to those ass clowns who run this team, who own this team, to do something. I'm fucking sick of it. Like, we must, we have to have one of the lowest paid coaching staffs in the National Fucking Hockey League. We have to. We have to. And we're still paying other coaches to not coach for us. And I I, I don't want to be a guy who says, let's go fire another coach. Let's go fire. I don't want to do that. I want there to be the stability and consistency. But at what fucking point is it like, what's next? What else do we do? What's the next phase in this vicious circle of being a fucking Sabres fan? I'm fucking sick of this, man. Going to games is never having fun. One every five games, you have fun when you go to when you when you attend a Sabres game. It's just it's mind blowing. It's mind numbing. And how much longer are we supposed to sit here and take it? Yeah, they need 56 points, 56 in their final 41 games to get to 94 points this year. That's an 112 point pace in the second half of the season. The, uh, the 2006 Sabres, this is from our, our guy Sabermetrics, Walt, by the way. Uh, okay, well. The 2006-2007 Sabres that won the President's Trophy were a 113-point team. So they are going to need to play at a somewhat historic pace the rest of the year to even think about making the playoffs, not even get in. They're going to they're gonna need no chance. to do way more than that. Uh, yeah, it's really depressing. I don't know if you saw after uh, after the Bills game the other day, Terry was in the locker room with his yeah. phone looking like a proud dad, uh, filming Deion Dawkins dancing in the locker room. That was really that was really cute. Uh, seems to really pay a lot of attention to them. Uh, yep. I don't necessarily question his passion and love for the Sabres because I do know that that exists. It's a lifelong thing with him. It's the reason he bought the team in the first place. I do somewhat question the commitment to the team once he bought the bills in 2014 it seems that there's been a clear seismic shift in which franchise he puts more time and energy and effort into 
The Bills coaching staff is without question one of the best coaching staffs in the league. Obviously, we had our issues with McDermott. We've had our issues with McDermott since 2017. But in the grand scheme of things, compared to what was in place before he got there, it's obviously much better. And one of his real, real strong points is his coaching staff. Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have created a culture at One Bills Drive that is as good as any in the league. And us sitting here in 2023 saying that in 2016, I think none of us would have ever believed that. So I don't give Terry all of the credit, but he's put those guys in positions to succeed. Whereas with the Sabres, as we've talked about, with the assistant coaches, the head coaching carousel, obviously the coaches have been fired because of lack of performance, but it's not been nearly the same commitment, the nearly the same passion for this organization. Uh, even the facilities, we've talked about all of the issues yeah. in the Sabres in Bake Center compared to the Bills having the nicest facility, uh, at least like the workout facility that they have separate from, uh, from the actual stadium. And they're building a $1.5 billion stadium across the street as we speak. So it's a pretty clear line of demarcation between the two franchises. And yeah, it's the NFL. It's a multi-billion dollar industry and the NHL doesn't even come close to that. But as you and I, who are, fans of both teams, uh, probably just as much for each one. It still matters for us that the Sabres be taken care of, that they're looked after, that they're treated with the same level of passion or respect as the Bills are. And quite frankly, that has not happened in the past nine years. So that's where we stand right now, unfortunately. Yeah. Listen, I'm not trying to sit here and sound like the same guy from four years, nearly four years ago, who went off on a radio station and then just, you know, started a movement, which I still think is ridiculous. Um, at the end of the day, we're all just fans, and my voice was just a little louder for four minutes on a particular night. But like, those feelings are starting to come back again in terms of what you just said. We're the redheaded stepchild. Hey, I resent that. Stop, stop. We're the redheaded stepchild in the back seat of the car in the middle of winter with both windows down while the Bills are in the front seat, fucking uh, heat blasting on them. You know, dad's got his hand around him, telling him how proud he is. And you're just sitting there back there freezing your balls off and wondering, you know, do I get a happy meal too? You know, I, like, I, I don't know. I just. It, what point to your again to your point? Terry's in the locker room and not afraid to be seen. When's the fucking last time we saw Terry Pagula in public? Yeah, I mean that was that was the first time I'd seen him in a while. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure we can find other examples if we really look for it. But yeah, we really yeah, don't need sure. I mean, listen, I am very sympathetic and empathetic to the situation his family has been in for the past two years, without a doubt. But at the end of the day. You're still running a business. You still own two, two, not one, two sports teams. How can you justify? How can you justify spending the little amount of money you did in free agency this year on Eric Johnson and Connor Clifton and actually fucking believe that this team was going to not regress? They were going to get better. Everybody who had a career year last year, they were going to get better, right? 
We're going to be okay, right? The best fucking addition you've made is the 18-year-old kid you drafted. And everything else has been deplorable. Absolutely deplorable. You, 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 the defense hasn't been better. Your, your, your number one defenseman has regressed. Your number two defenseman has regressed. Realistically, honestly, the only guy who hasn't regressed, who has actually gotten better on your blue line, was Yoki Haru, who probably had his worst game of his season tonight. Like, I haven't had much to complain about when it comes to Yoki Haru this season. Like, he has been, and we talked about it with Matthew Fairburn before the season started, under the radar, guys. Yoki Haru, I've had zero issues with him up until tonight. But everybody else, from Thompson to Tuck, I mean, Skinner is always going to score goals, but Cousins at the top of the fucking list, along uh, uh, out of anybody, they've all regressed, and you did nothing and still are doing nothing to address it. Nothing. And don't tell me you can't make blockbuster midseason trades. We just saw one go down yesterday. It may have been a, a, a completely situation where you had a kid that didn't want to be there, but trades can happen midseason before the deadline. You can address these things now. For fucking, for fucking Tanev has been on the rumor mill for how long out of Seattle? Don't you don't you think from a forward perspective to have a guy who who isn't like everybody else on the team? Don't you think he would help this roster, Earls? Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, anybody with any type of NHL experience would help this roster. You saw what Eric Robinson has done, who I think has been mostly a nice addition when he's been in the lineup. And he was a guy that was waived by one of the worst teams in the league up until this point. That shows you what type of an effect that adding any type of veteran presence can to such a young team. You mentioned Dylan Cousins. Uh, he's, I think he's had a lot of bad luck, but obviously he's not been as good as he was last year or even the season before. Uh, even J.J. Paterka, who started out really well, he's had a lot of chances. He had 10 shot attempts tonight, and a lot got blocked, a lot missed the net, a lot got tipped. He's still getting there, but they're just not going in. As Everyone aside from Jeff Skinner and even Rasmus Dahlin, who has the most goals of any defenseman in the league this year, it's just not going in the net the way that it was last year. And we knew that if that happened to this team, sayonara, see you later. Um, yeah. I want to read a I want to read a thread from one of my favorite followers on on Sabres Twitter, uh, Kevin uh, NT Rider eight twenty five. I'm sure a lot of people know him. Mm-hmm. I'll just go through it. I think it's really poignant and probably uh, matches the feelings of a lot of fans out there. Uh, he says, I was just thinking about how outside of bits and pieces of time here and there, last year was the only time that watching and rooting for this hockey team has been remotely enjoyable for the last 12 to 13 years. If the owner of this team sold them tomorrow, his investment would have appreciated over time far beyond any amount of money I could ever conceive of. There's no real resolution to be had anymore outside of forcing them to sell the team, seizing the funds from the sale and distributing them to anyone who can prove they spent thousands of hours or 2000 posts on the team since they bought it. If you had a child during this time and that child consumed any Sabres hockey, the NHL should pay for lifetime therapy. They're going to have a historic playoff drought that took shape right as the historic playoff drought of the other sports team just ended. Do you know how fucked up that is? Just on a basic level, it will ruin your brain and rot your will. Just like the end of the Bills drought, this one will end out of the blue. I now believe it won't be because of some measured logical progression to greatness. It will be sudden and random, and in this sense, unplanned and maybe even unearned. I'm finding peace in that. The universe is a series of random events. The vacuum of pain wrought by this franchise seems to be planned, but it isn't. It's just there. 
It just exists the same way we all do. And like we will all die without reason or justice, so will it. I think that's the last thing I want to post about them for a while as I will be momentarily giving myself a bathtub lobotomy. <laughs> there's a lot of comedy in that, but there's a lot of truth. There's a lot of too. truth. There's a lot of truth. Uh, as horrible and fucked up as this all is, it was not quite as bad as the Bills because there was a, a level of mediocrity there and there was one thing that was present, preventing them from getting over the top and that was obviously getting a good quarterback. But with the Sabres, it's almost way more frustrating because they've been so bad for so long. And this type of team that they have now, they have a lot of young talent, they have a lot of picks, a lot of prospects, but they're getting into the realm of mediocrity that, that we all lived through with the Bills in the early to mid-2000s. This is a team that I don't think could ever be bad enough to get to the position that we were in the 2010s to 2015s, where we were in position to get the number one pick and also in 2018. There's not that level of roster mismanagement because they've made good draft picks, they've made some good trades, but they didn't do nearly enough to make them compete. And maybe we all should have realized that in the summer. I think we are all excited and that's not wrong on us for trying to be excited about this team for once in 15 years. But it was kind of in front of our eyes and everything we've seen in these first 41 games is a reflection of that. I just, I, I just, to, to Kevin's points, like, it's like, how can you justify going to hockey games anymore? Like, how I mean, can you, how can you, and I'm sick and tired of hearing players complain about booing. Then, 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 then give me a reason why you shouldn't be booed. Yeah. Any other sports franchise who comes out and plays the way you guys do on a night to night basis and tell me like, no, dude, like, no, oh, I, I had so I much think there's a, going to this game tonight too. There's a, there's an inherent sensitivity that I think these guys have. And I do think they care. I really do. It is a close. Oh, I know they care. Yeah. And I think when they say that they don't like getting booed, I don't think anyone likes getting booed. No. But I think deep down they do understand it, how frustrating and disappointment, disappointing this has been for Sabres fans. And then Oposa said once that, like, yeah, there's a lot of pain. That's not all on us. And that's true. It's not all on this current group. But the pain and the frustration that's boiled over for so long is on the ownership. It is on the management. It's on every single decision a decision that wasn't made to get us to this point. And it's particularly frustrating this year because of the expectations. Um, like I said, maybe we shouldn't have had those. I think a lot of people probably were way more skeptical than we were. But if you haven't figured it out by this point, I'm inherently pretty optimistic. And I like to have hope about things because life is pretty depressing and meaningless otherwise. You might as well get excited about things that are right in front of you, opportunities that you've had to actually be a good team. And it sucks when you get let down. It does. It's as Ted Lasso says, it's the hope that kills you. And that's what's happening. Right now. Uh, I think tonight could have been a big night. You could have beaten a team that was on a six game win streak. They, they had points in their last 10 games. They were one of the hottest goaltenders in the league. And you played that way. You had that fire that you normally don't have at home. And then they blew it. So it, it, it unfortunately feels like another turning point and directly in the wrong direction. I mean, I feel like, okay, I'm not like, 
because I know this team is good. Like I know there, there's heart in there. I I know that I I just doesn't have much explanation for. Were we all duped last year? Do you think we were duped last year? I wouldn't say duped. I think they outperformed expectations last year. I think they scored they scored goals at an incredible pace. And sometimes to win hockey games, you got to score a lot of goals. And now they're not scoring goals at an incredible pace. And also the defense and the goaltending isn't better. And some nights it's arguably worse. It was tonight. And there have been nights like that. And particularly at home, they're not a good team at home. They don't play well in front of their own They stunk last year at home too. Yeah. And if they're so sensitive about the fans being upset with them, play better. Be a better team. Use the advantage that exists at the beginning of games. I guarantee you when Skinner scored that goal that the fan, or even in the first 10 minutes, the fans were pretty loud in there. Dan Dawkins was banging the drum. Shout out to Dan Dawkins, by the way. He's been to more Sabres games than any other Bills player I can, I can think of in the past 20 years. Mm -hmm. I love that from Dan Dawkins. That is the type of support that this team and this city and those two franchises need from each other. Uh, but, yeah, it's – I mean, two-game win streak, could have had your first three-game win streak the entire year in four and one games. And you absolutely squandered a chance to go on a real run here. Uh, you, you got the Senators at home on Thursday. If you don't win that game, put a fork in them. But it's, it's getting to the point that you start to wonder if it's going to happen and – you don't want to trick yourself the way that you always do, but I'm at least getting to the point that I've somewhat convinced myself that it's not this year. They are not a good enough roster. They are not complete enough. They don't have enough. They don't why have enough veteran depth. Not interrupt people. Why not just bring up Kulik then? Like, what are we waiting for with this kid? Yeah. What are I we mean, waiting for? What are I you mean, seeing? Someone, someone's got to score goals. <laughs> yeah. What are you seeing out of this bottom six? That actually makes you think we have to, have to, have to keep Kulik in Rochester. Is it a thing you don't want him to be around a culture of losing? Because I think he would much rather be in the NHL thriving. I think he would thrive more. I shouldn't say thrive more. That's probably the wrong word. But I think that he would provide a boost to this team, especially on your power play. And it might have a ripple effect through the roster. It's, like it's you pretty... can't tell me that it'll definitely happen with the fan base if you bring that kid up and say, "Hey, you're here the rest of the season until we're officially out of playoffs." And yeah, we'll send you back to Rock, the Rock. But like, I, I'm just like, if this was the plan, yeah, I had Steve Bennett call in on Hockey Hotline uh, last week, and he said, he even said, he goes, he goes, if this was the plan to not to continue to develop what you already had, then why did you bring back Gergen Sizanakposo? Why not bring up kids that clearly had nothing left to do in the AHL? Why not have it be Kulik? The, the 05 to 07 Sabres were full of youth and, 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 and energy and speed. And your oldest veteran was Tapo Newman. You didn't need, like, you didn't have guys like, like your veteran leaders on that team was like Greer, Mike Greer, and Akos, or I'm sorry, and, and Tepo Numinen. Everybody else is below the age of 30. But you didn't have a guy like Akposa who, God bless him, I'm sure everybody respects him, but if I have to fucking hear one more time about how he's such a great goddamn leader, 
And he's so invaluable to this team. Then explain me why this season is slowly going off the rails, Kyle. I need more of your inspirational in-between period speeches, Kyle, about, uh, about fans booing you and how much you hate it. Need more of it. Because you aren't being a captain right now. Like, at some point, you just have to – and I don't know what goes on in that room. I have no clue. I have zero clue what goes on in that room. But at some point, somebody has to stand up and start fucking pointing fingers. And it, it, I'm so sick of the soft the sensitivity of hockey players these days that you can't be called out by a coach or a teammate because, oh, my God, his feelings might get hurt. Oh, it might affect his play. That never fucking happened back in the day. It never happened. And I'm sick of it. Because these guys should get called off. They should be benched. How many times you probably could have benched Owen Power tonight to look like a goddamn pylon? Oh, Yoki, how are you too? But this coaching staff won't do it because, God forbid, you hurt a guy's feelings. God forbid. Oh, oh, you might upset him. You know, you, you, like, it's, it's mind-blowing. I'm sick of it, man. Yeah, yeah, it's it's frustrating a lot of different levels. I don't know why Ryan Johnson's not playing. Uh, yeah, oh, that, 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 I, we still got to get to that too. It's uh, it's it's pretty insane. Uh, he had a couple tough games here and there, but in most of the games he's played, he's been one of the Sabers' best defensemen. I, uh, yeah, just to get into Levi real quick. Obviously, a tough night from him for him. Yeah, coming off one of his best games as a pro in his hometown against the Canadians. Um, Granado said after the game, yeah, obviously it was a tough night. And I think the reflex is to say that, oh, he's young. But it does happen to everybody in this league. And you just got to reset really quickly, which I think is a good sentiment. But at the same time, he is 22 years old. He's a rookie in the NHL. They set him on a development path that has not been done in the NHL in a long time or if ever at all. And I think that the weight of the expectation that they placed on him this season, I said it going into the year. I didn't want, unless he was playing all worldly, I did not want him playing 40 to 50 games this year, 45, 50 games. And that is what this team needed to be good. They needed him to play at that seven game level that he played at the end of last year. where he had the momentum coming off the bean pot to be a two, two, nine, three guy in his first season in the NHL, 22 years old. He's had nights like that. He's been really good on the road. He hasn't been as good at home. But to expect him to be an all-star level goalie at 22 years old without improving the defense at all was a ridiculous and wild expectation. And it sucks for him because I I don't think it's going to ruin him. But at the same time, nights like this really do hurt a goalie's psyche. I don't necessarily think it's going to happen to him. But it, it can happen. That goal that he let into Matty Beniers to make it 5-2, that's a goal he saved. That was a bad goal, yeah. 99 out of 100 times. He, he saved it like, 99 yeah. out of 100 times. And I've seen that from him this year where you can tell that it's mental. You can tell that some of these breakdowns and some of these issues that the team as a whole has are getting to him. And that is 1,000% because of the position they put him in. And fans are, fans are hard on him. I get that. But – it is not all on him. And it's really, really frustrating as a fan of goaltending, as a fan of him, and I know he's going to be really good to see him in this position uh, every other night he's in the net. Even against Montreal, he stood on his head, and that's going to happen some nights, but it's not going to happen every single night. So 
really, really tough position for him to be in. And same with Uko Pekka-Lukin. And it's kind of been tough for him since he's been on the Sabres. So, I don't know. It's, like, like what do you... it's just another example of the lack of a true and intelligent plan that they have going into this year. And I, I and goal is for sure. I'm willing to debate the 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 screen in front where it's yeah, it's a, it's a tip. It's a, it, that's a good tip. No, no, not that one. I think it was the second goal of the game. Oh, it was through a, a screen. On a power it play. Through, it was through a screen. Um, normally, yeah, you want. I think Levi was a little too close to his goal line on that one. He wasn't out, yeah. but he was I, trying I to track the puck. And you can tell he didn't see that puck until it was probably a foot and a half in front of him, and he just couldn't react quick enough through the screen. And also a one timer on a power play. Yeah, like, but what drives me nuts, and this has been a common theme now for three years, is how much longer are we expected to watch defensemen just stand in front of the net, below the dots, staring at the point, who is carrying the puck, watching the puck as it's coming, the shot, and not tying up a man in front. Because I can promise you, that, I think it was the second goal. Levi stops that if he sees it. He absolutely also, does. The first goal were two rebounds. Eric Johnson just doing absolutely nothing. 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 Yeah. I, I just it, – it blows my mind, man. And how are we still doing this? And this goes back to, to coaching. And why on earth do we have an assistant coach, an offensive coach, who doesn't come to games, isn't on the bench with these kids? And I've said it a 100 times. He like he has such a long career, successful career in the NHL, and what he can offer to these guys in the moment is invaluable on that bench during games. A calming presence that Marty Wilford, who again we still we still don't know. Where, who I is. did look him up the other day. You did? Yeah, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm and gonna get a crispy to that. guy that they can't offer them. They can't. Medals can't offer that for them. But we're sitting here, and he's sitting at home on his lazy boy watching his games because he doesn't want to be a full-time coach in the NHL here. Well, then guess what? Go find somebody that can be. Go find somebody that can be because it's starting to drive me up a fucking wall watching the same shit happen constantly, constantly, constantly. It's the same stuff, and it's not hard to pick up a stick and enforce your will, especially when you're at Owen Power who's six foot six. No one's telling you to go out there and be Chris Pronger and knock somebody on their ass. Push them out of the way. You're not going to take a penalty. They're going to call you for that, for pushing somebody out of your way to your goaltender. Why do you think these teams send two guys? You watched it all game. Every time they were working the puck to the point, they did not have a guy at the bumper. They were in front of the net because they were allowed to be there because we were allowing them to be there. Every single time they had possession in our zone, they had two men in front of Levi. Every single time. Yeah. Uh, Marty Wilford, 540 AHL games as a defenseman. Uh, he played in something called the IHL and then the DEL. Oh, in Europe, in Germany. And then wow. he played in Italy for a little bit. And then he started his co- coaching career. As an assistant coach for the Syracuse Crunch in 2011. Um, no NHL games. He was drafted in 1995. Not seeing much about his coaching career otherwise. I'm sure I could dive a little bit deeper into that. But you've got an AHL defenseman as your defensive coach on your NHL hockey team. 
as you were mentioning, uh, the guy that doesn't come to games just drives over the Peace Bridge for practice, Dan Girardi. Yeah. Not sure what he's doing. Uh, I don't understand why we can't pay him to be a full-time guy. Maybe he doesn't want to be. Maybe that's the issue. Uh, and then we all know how we feel about Matt Ellis and our power play. I noticed something on our one power play opportunity tonight. Uh, you know what worked against the Canadians when they got down low and they completed those passes, uh, the one-timers right across the crease? They tried to do that tonight. And Seattle simply shifted their, <laughs> their defensemen down uh, towards the crease, and they prevented that type of play from even happening. And then they also had two guys up top covering the other two options that they try every single time, the one-timer to Tage or the one-timer to the other side. Didn't once get it to the bumper. Uh, didn't once try to move people around or pass the puck around into the slot to get it even closer to the net. And then they actually gave up a breakaway uh, instead of getting yeah. a shot on goal. Uh, so, yeah, they, they found some success. And then, yeah, you try to go back to it. And they only have one opportunity tonight. But uh, it, it does kind of feel very uh, simplistic. Uh, yeah, this worked. Let's just keep doing it. It's not going to happen for every single team, especially a well-coached team like the Seattle Kraken. So, yeah, it's it, I, you know, Marty Wolford. At least, at least we know the 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 myth or whatever you want to call it, the legend of Marty Wolford. You know, in his time in Buffalo, I makes sense. Um, one thing about that power play too, I want I noticed during the game a couple times tucking that bumper spot when he gets the puck there, he isn't turning to the net. Like, even to fake the puck there. Like, he literally just takes the puck and throws it back. He did it, like, three times a night. He's not even making that even <coughs> move to the net to maybe give them the idea that he could cut or maybe take a shot there. Nothing. And I'm like, is that part of the problem? Just people not pointing out stuff like that? Like, I know it's, a, it's minuscule, but, like, for me as a goaltender, if you're trying to draw me out of position, why, like – He's literally taking the pass like this, but he's not turning like this at all. He can even yeah. turn like this and bring it back and then he can get back to the point. Mm-hmm. At least draw the goalie out of the position he's currently in. Anything really, it, it it's the same goddamn thing every time. Like three out of four times he gets the puck in that bumper position. He's not moving his body to the net. Even if it's not there, still do it. Still yeah. do it. Like – don't just telegraph that pass back to the point. It's such an easily, easily predictable power play. Uh, the, the way they way they run things compared to last year. Get, yeah, well, get the get Tage that that one time shot. There's no there, there's literally no risk on the other side. I, I just don't know, and that's where maybe you could bring in a Kulik who, who who can offer you that threat. I think the the best version of the Sabers power play would be. Middle stat in the bumper, tuck in front, Tage on the wall, Darlene up top, and then Kulik on the other side. Because at least you have three options that you can go to at any given time. And you have a guy in front of the net with, who's at least big, who can screen the goalie. He's got good hands. He scored some garbage goals in his day. Uh, if not him, then Greenway, maybe even Robinson. You need someone in front that is constantly screening the goalie. It's the most frustrating thing as a goalie that – Nope, nobody does it, from, from D to D or even to the half wall, if you can't see it, you're not going to stop it. And I, I, they don't do that nearly enough. They talked about it post-game. They, they said that Joey Decord saw too many pucks tonight. How many times have we talked about this with this team? So every, that they're yeah, every only, game. They're, every they're game. trying to score pretty goals, and they're not getting to the front of the net. 
They're not looking for garbage goals. They're not looking for tips, rebounds, anything that basically every single other team in the NHL does. They don't care how they score. So, yeah, it's a fundamental thing. It really feels like it. I would even put Olsen out there, given given the ability he possesses to shoot the puck. But as of right now, it's just lazy passes around the outside, shots getting blocked, and then a lot of the times breakaways and two-on-ones going the other way. Everything is just predictable and telegraphed. Predictable and telegraphed. And, and yeah, it, well, it, we're, not, we're not an easy team to figure out on the power play. Here's a comment from Mauricio. Kraken was playing carefree, great defensive strategy, great coaching staff. We don't have a clue, brutal game to watch, overwhelmed errors, continue, same old bad habits, all season team head case. I, I agree. It's not like, I know we outshot the Kraken by a lot, but they didn't have to put them in a position, put themselves in positions where they needed to outshoot us or outchance us. Because you know what? They played smart hockey. They played well in the defensive zone. To your point, was Joey was Decord really ever truly, truly challenged tonight? Not aside really. from the aside from the tuck breakaway and the two goals, no. Uh, yeah, like I think I, that tuck breakaway it would have made it two one Sabers on a on a shorthanded goal that could have been a momentum shift. You you see how like mentally fragile this team is. You could I, I think Ray, Rob Ray mentioned something on the broadcast. He heard uh, Tuck scream when he got back to the bench. And he was just like, I, I can't repeat that, but you can see how upset he was that he missed that chance. Yeah. So it seems like there's obviously some frustration building. And then we saw Rasmus Dahlin, uh, potentially the future captain of this team, break his stick over the net after the fifth goal. Um, I think, I do believe he was mad at himself because he turned the wrong way and Matty Beneers had a wide open lane coming in. But at least a part of me wondered when I was looking at the replay, like it looked like he looked directly at Levi. Maybe he was looking at a stick. He didn't. He didn't mean to do that with the veracity that he did. But it. It. There was so much frustration. I think he knows he's been playing badly, given like his level and his expectations for for his own game. But I've never seen something like that out of him before. I think he's done it once or twice. But uh, yeah, that was that was really shocking to see. And you just know he cares, man. You know he cares probably more than anybody else on the team. Yeah, like, well, he's been he's been through it as much as anybody. Maybe yeah, I like, and Gherkins, Gherkins, God, I feel bad for that guy, <laughs> dude. And he cares too. Like you know, Gergensen's cares. Yeah, and he wants to be here. He want. He's even said it. He wants to be here when they finally break through and make it to the playoffs. We talk about Skinner never playing in the playoffs. How about Gergensen's? He's right there with him. Like he's yeah. not that. I can't imagine. I mean, Gergensen's outside of a few stints. Like he's been pretty healthy for the most part of his career. Like, I don't know how many games played he has, but I imagine he plays a couple more years. He would he'd be closing in on it. You know what I mean? Like, for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I really don't know. Like, look here, Dylan Cousins on pace for twelve goals this season. What the fuck? <laughs> like, it's really, really unfortunate, um, especially in his role. I do think he has been better since Quinn came back. I think that line is getting way more chances. Uh, he himself is getting more chances. But even tonight, he had one on the right side where Decord came out and challenged him that he just, like, put his head down and shot it. If he had his head up and a little bit more patience, he could have gone around him and tucked it in to the empty net. Uh, obviously, he's not necessarily that type of guy. He's not that type of player. He scored some garbage goals in his career. I think that was kind of 
his thing for, for his first two and a half years. And also throwing hits, laying the body. I think the last goal he scored was in Vegas, and that came right after a huge hit right along the board, and he came into the zone and scored a massive goal. That's the Dylan Cousins we all know and love. He's the workhorse from Whitehorse. Yeah. He's the, uh, the hard-nosed, tough, two-way player, uh, but it seems like he's been zapped of his, uh, his confidence a little bit, which is really frustrating because I, I do think he's also a really good player. Um, do they trade for Je- Trevor Zegers? <laughs> I mean, what Trevor Z- Here's the thing, and I've been saying it for It's not like you need to bring in more high-end talent, like elite talent. You have a lot of those guys. You need skill role players. Now, I've said this. Like we had we had Heat Daddy on. He said you need a guy like Daniel Sprong who's going to go out and punch a NASCAR driver, and then come out the next night and score two goal two goals. Like 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 you need you need guys that who are going to go out there and set the tone with a big hit. Aren't afraid to go to the nut. Aren't aren't afraid, aren't afraid to kind of do what Jeff Skinner does, but they're bigger and more intimidating. You know, yeah. I mean, they can back up their mouth. Yeah, I mean, you need you need anyone that can score right now. Oh, Otherwise. for sure, yeah. It, it, but those got like um, Palat, Palat. You know what he was for 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 Tampa for so many years, like Blake Coleman for Tampa before he went to Calgary. Those types of guys who can go in and fill a role. You're not expecting him to be a thirty goal scorer, but he'll come in. He'll score eighteen to twenty in your bottom six. But he'll fill like he he's a he's a he's a guy that that they're they're guys that can um you send them out there against you know t- teams top lines and you know that they're going to go out there and do their job they're going to be responsible you can trust them you don't really have that in your bottom six right now man you just don't you don't yeah and it's, uh another example of the management and the gm not doing nearly enough to make this a competitive roster and that's what we're going to keep coming back to as as they continue to disappoint us unfortunately and uh, I guess that potentially makes them sellers at the deadline. And then you go into the offseason with a chance to make it right. You got a lot of money. I think a lot of guys are going to be gone. There's going to be maybe four, five, six roster spots. Honestly, hopefully more. And you try to do a year later what you were supposed to do this season. So I don't know. I. I want to say that there's a chance, but if I'm being realistic, I don't think there is. Unfortunately, uh, I think it's too big of a hole to climb out of. Um, they <laughs> we're at the point that they've got five games left on this homestand. You got to win all five. Yep. So it's uh, and I don't I don't think that's possible, especially with Vancouver coming into town. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a really disappointing night uh, on a night that could have been really really good and could have changed the entire directory trajectory of how we talk about this team right now. Uh, But didn't happen. And here we are. Here's a good point from, uh, we haven't seen him in the, in the peanut gallery, Blake Becker. We have the most draft capital in the NHL and GM Kevin Adams refuses to make trades. Realistically, how much can be bottom six forwards cost? I know making a trade initial isn't easy, but if this season slips away, I, I agree. Like we saw one yesterday. I know the circumstances were very unique. You had a guy who you drafted who, for all intents and purposes, seemed like he was excited to be drafted by the Philadelphia Flyers. 
A year goes by, and for whatever reason, he won't talk to your organization. He has he wants nothing to do with you. So you're put it you're back to a corner situation. You have to trade him. But you go to Anaheim, who is a surplus of defensemen, and you get a quality top end defensive prospect um, and a second round pick in exchange for Cutter Goudier. And Goudier, and, 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 like, talk about a guy that you could use. I would absolutely. As long as the attitude or as long, as long as, you know, the attitude thing aside, you know, for whatever his reasoning was for doing what he did um, and still not offering that Philadelphia an explanation as to why, like six foot two plays with an edge can score, can bang bodies, plays a heavy game. Those are the types of guys we need. I'm not saying you need to be score again. You don't need to be scoring 30 goals. That's what this team needs, man. Because I am I am fully confident Tage will find a scoring touch. I am fully confident that Dylan Cousins will figure it out. And if you can maintain those guys in your top six, um, when the smoke clears, your bottom six, whoever that is, and who who was our who was technically our third line? I know they broke up the top line. They had Tuck with uh, was it Tuck was with Casey and who? Uh, it was Tuck, Casey, and Skinner. Skinner, and then it was Tage Greenway. Tage and Middlestad switched. Yeah, and, and Benson, which they did nothing tonight. They were useless out there. Next to useless. Yeah, um, I mean, they, a couple chances here and there, but I, I think that uh, – I don't know if it was for injury or for whatever purpose. I, Granado tried to explain it after the game, why he made that switch. Uh, it's, it's funny because just like Zach Benson, I think Middlestack can play with anybody now. He's yeah, that good of a distributor. He's that good at five-on-five. I think him and Skinner have a real connection, uh, a really good chemistry with each other. And I, I don't hate that line, but it seems like Tage, at least recently, is only finding the truest version of himself when he plays with Tuck and Skinner. So I found that to be strange, but you never know with Granado. Another comment from Blake. I don't understand why they can't get themselves motivated knowing it's now or never if they are going to make a push. They have beaten the best teams in the league and can never rally behind wins. Um, another great point, like – you come into tonight. I mean, this is the gotta be the best you felt all season. Yeah, you, you you win an emotional game against uh, against Montreal. You go and you beat Pittsburgh. Um, you know, where a game where your goaltender again had to play on top of his head. UPL played a fantastic game. How can you not get behind that and think tonight? Fuck, man, let's go blow the doors through the Kraken right now. Let's go blow the because we haven't beaten them yet. They're no, that right it. there, not ever beating that team. That should be in itself be motivation enough to go out there and want to kick the shit out of them. We are now the only team in the NHL that has yet to beat the Seattle Kraken. Great jerseys, though. Amazing Great. jerseys. Great jerseys. The, I don't know if you call that teal or turquoise or seafoam, whatever color that is, the, the light blue that they have on their away jerseys and the home jerseys. But I think it really pops in the away jerseys. God, that franchise, they got it right. They really, in almost every single aspect, they got it right. It's really depressing to see. They got fucking, <laughs> they got, they got fucking Marshawn Lynch out there, fucking rocking the jersey, telling them no when they ask for it back when they, when they announced it. I remember that. And they announced that the Kraken were going to host that, have, host that game. And Mar they asked him for the jersey back. He's like, nah, dude, you put my number on it. You think I'm giving this back? And then he's at the Winter Classic wearing that same jersey. They didn't even get. They didn't even give him one with his name on the back. They just let him keep that one. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know, man. It's so well. I that, mean, they're they're four years old, and they're they're already a significantly better run franchise than the Sabers are. So, yeah. so. <laughs> that says it all. It, yeah. it really does. Unfortunately, it starts at the top, um, man. Starts at the top, and yeah. nothing nothing's changed. And you still don't have a president of hockey operations. You have a first time GM who has made good decisions. You know, jumped on signing guys early before they could really max out their value. Um, which I still commend him for a lot. That genius wrist line and trade, highway robbery. But you look at these things, but what has he done deadline-wise, trade-wise, free agent signing-wise? I know you don't want to spend a ton of money on uh, like like we did, you know, after Billy Leno had a great playoff years ago and that blew up in our face, or Christian Erhoff and all that blew up in our face. But to just not spend any money and just think that what you have is good enough to get you there. Not enough. Yeah. So, any final thoughts? Uh, look at this cool welcome to Memorial Auditorium light up sign I got for Christmas. That's pretty sick. My brother that got the original. Yeah, well, I don't know, maybe, but my brother got it for me for Christmas, so I'm pretty stoked about it. That's pretty dope. That's my final thought. Other, I than... love your background, bud. That's a good background. Thank you. I uh, yeah, I'm making uh, I'm making changes to improve the direction of my uh, podcast franchise. Uh, I'm like the Sabers, unfortunately. So, <laughs> um, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, as you said, they should have come out with a lot of motivation tonight, and I think they did. And then they blew it. And now here we are talking about. They, they pissed down their legs. The owner and the franchise and everything else. Because as optimistic as I would love to be about them playing at 112 point pace for the rest of the year, I don't think they're capable of that, even if they're playing their best. So that's kind of where we are, unfortunately. So. All right. Well, remember, everybody, this is brought to you by Fatty Beer Company, Buffalo's premier market in Taparoo with eight different Western New York locations and over 300 beers to choose from. They are open seven days a week from 10.30 a.m. till or 11.30 a.m. till 10.30 p.m. and later live entertainment, music, and trivia at all eight locations. And, of course, they are both dog and kid friendly. Uh, also, Buffalo Logo Apparel, one of the best places to get all of your Buffalo sports needs when it comes to your shirts, your hats, your hoodies. Uh, they have a lot of other different things to choose from. Make sure you get over to at Buffalo Logo Co. on Instagram and Twitter, at Fatty Beer, Instagram and Twitter as well. Make sure you let them know that Dwayne and Harold's for two goalies on Mike sent you. My final thoughts, if you want to really, I'm not, like, without words, just go take a look at my timeline right now on Twitter because I've been at it for about, two, about the 10-minute mark of the third period. No, no, actually the start of the third period. Been at it nonstop. I mean, it's it's a pretty impressive Rolodex of like the most impress uh, depressing images in franchise history. If any if anybody's still anybody's still listening, I I don't I usually have it on my phone. I'm sure it's in there. I'm looking for the picture of Alexi Zhitnik from '90s night, where he was wearing the knockoff goat head jersey, and the goat head itself was extremely crooked because that is probably my all time favorite picture from the drought because that just really spells out the misery that this fan base has had to deal with and the just lack of the little things. Um, so that being said, this has been all hang up and listen brought to you by fatty beer and Buffalo go. I am Dwayne for Connor Hurley signing off.
When's the next game? Thursday against the Senators at home. Oh, yes. Thursday against the Senators at home. We'll talk to you then at the, during the post game. You guys enjoy your week. Stay safe out there driving in these wintry roads. And uh, I'll hang up and listen. We'll talk to you guys later. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty 
from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.